Bad news. Bad news for the state. Bad news for capital. Bad news for patriarchy. Bad news for all forms of domination. Bad news. Angry voices from around the world. Our monthly info show from anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio projects worldwide. If these news are bad, I don't want to be good. Welcome to the 71st episode of Bad News. This month's host of Bad News is Anarchist Radio Berlin. We welcome you to the show and hope you could cope with the shit that's going on all around the globe. From some of those who raise their angry voice, we'll present you the following. Frequence A from Leipzig did a transcripted interview with some of the organizers of an upcoming queer feminist congress that's gonna be held in the end of September in Leipzig. The Strongest Together Congress will take place under the motto Feminist Queer Militant. Various feminist and queer struggles should be made visible and interfaces with other autonomous anarchist and militant struggles should be sought. The Final Straw Radio conducted an interview with a radical journalist in Atlanta, Georgia about continued and increasing legal repression by the city of Atlanta and state of Georgia, including against lawyers and legal support fundraising infrastructure. These recent applications are against an anarchist-inflicted movement that's against police militarization, ecological destruction and government corruption. Anarchist Radio Berlin shares an interview about another evicted squad in Ljubljana. Maciak was a small anarcha queer squad in Ljubljana, Slovenia. Sadly, it is history now. But during the last days of August, we spoke with two of the squatters about Maciak and the future plans of squatting in Ljubljana. In between, you'll hear some weird music. Anyway, we really hope you enjoy the show. Now, let's get started. At the end of September there will be the Stronger Together Congress in Leipzig. Various feminist and queer struggles and interfaces with other autonomous anarchist and militant struggles are to be made visible. Can you briefly explain what it's all about? I think it's about different things and different people. I can say what I'm about first and foremost. This should be a space for meeting and creating exchange. So a place and a time where people can come together from different contexts with different backgrounds and perspective and exchange their strategies, their struggles, their ideologies, their ideas. Just simply to create a space to break isolation 
or huge individuality through allies to somehow find a way to deal with it and to meet each other. And how did you get the idea to organize it? And why does the Congress need to be held in Leipzig? I think the original idea came from people who were at the Congress together in love and rage last year in Berlin and were inspired by it. And that's when the idea came up to try something like that in Leipzig or to organize it here. And why? I believed that such a Congress is needed. I perceive the Leipzig scenes, including the feminist and queer scene, is quite self-referential. It's very much about problems and conflicts within the scene, which is definitely important. But it's very much related to Leipzig, maybe a little bit to Berlin, if there are contacts. But previously, struggles behind that are quite invisible or don't get much exposure. And that's exactly why it's an attempt to make various struggles a bit more present here. To bring people from different places, from different areas in Germany, but also behind into contact with each other and to create a possibility for further allies. There have also been a few moments of encounter. Spaces where people could have met or where I was met. Like the mentioned Congress in Berlin last year, anarchist meetings, book fairs and so on. To create a continuity so that people who meet in such places can perhaps also meet here and continue to relate to each other. The motto of the Congress is Feminist Militant. What do you think constitutes feminist militancy? And why is it important? So there will be a text published on the website in a short time where the concept of militancy as we define it for ourselves or as we perceive it will be discussed in detail. There has been a lot of debates about it and I don't think there will ever be such a complete consensus because people define this term somehow quite differently or depending on their own perspective. But I think what we have in common is also shown in the text, that it's quite a question of attitude, that is, feminist or queer militancy as an attitude of somehow fighting against existing systems, of domination of patriarchy, capitalism, neocolonialism and so on. And not to leave it at striving for changes in the system, but to fight for a better future for all people. And not to look away in small situations in everyday life when you witness violence or shit somewhere, but to get involved, but also to take an interest in larger struggles and structures, also worldwide, and to develop a common attitude. The invitation text explicitly invites all genders. Why did you decide to do this? So first of all, on our blog, on our website, there is a section with the invitation policy and the text about it. And there is a very detailed description of why we decide to do this. Maybe I can also add my perspective. It's important to me that a queer spectrum can come to events or people who count themselves in a spectrum and that this includes cis men. In my opinion, queer cis men should definitely be included and not excluded. Also, a few days ago in Indie Media, there was a text discussing the same question regarding the Love and Rage Congress last year from Berlin. There was already a discussion online about it, where once again was said that trans men, or men who are also trans, often don't want to come to such events that are flinter only, for different reasons because they don't want to belong under the flinter term or because they feel they will be checked out that way. I think one problem I have personally is that two identities are inscribed in bodies in different ways. But you can't conclude from that that you can never read a person's identity from their body and it doesn't happen with perceived every second flinter. In addition, people and their bodies are checked and then decisions are made. Ah, 
they belong now or they don't are in or not. And people who perform too or who are assumed to be masculine are excluded in case of doubt. And to prevent that, I think it's good to somehow invite all genders so that this checking of bodies simply doesn't happen. They are also of the opinion that cis male comrades are needed in the struggle that we lead and that we cannot always lead them without these struggles. And that we prefer to exclude on the basis of behavior and not so much on the basis of identity. Because that also opens the discussion of what we do actually want in our movement or from our women comrades. What behavior do we find important? What behavior is not important? And I think it is extremely enriching to discuss this and somehow also to exchange in mutual criticism and not to avoid these conflicts or disputes by simply saying flinter only and excluding them. Of course, I can fully understand if people do that or if people don't want to fight again and again and again. Now, this is my personal position, degree and also from my own experience. That flinter only, which does not always mean that there are no patriarchal violence in these spaces, just because to say it's flinter, it does not automatically mean that it's also a safe space. These are perhaps some aspects. But as I said, I can only invite you to read through all the reasons again in detail. On our website, I think it becomes pretty clear what exactly we mean and what our reasons are. You just mentioned patriarchal violence. How do you plan to deal with conflicts that arise? I think the question is what exactly is meant by conflicts here. We as organizers don't see ourselves as experts in dealing with different conflicts and think that all the people who come or most of the people who come will hopefully be experts in different conflicts or in with different topics. Accordingly, we also want to take responsibility for all people to ensure that somehow people feel comfortable and that we treat each other with respect and that conflicts are solved in cool ways. And we don't want to take the liberty of determining how conflicts should be solved and how it should be dealt with or not. And at the same time, we have decided against offering a kind of service that then takes care of conflicts. That is, for example, a criticism that is often made of awareness teams that it has too much a service character. And as soon as there is an awareness team, all the people can somehow be themselves without worrying and no longer have to take look after each other or can sit back and relax because there are people who take care of it. We want to avoid that. Nevertheless, there will be such a supervised retreat for people who are in emotional or psychological crisis, who get into exceptional situations or have a high need for a retreat. So there should definitely be this retreat place. But we have decided against having an active team who walk around with waistcoats and are visible and so on, but exactly hope that everyone will look out for each other and intervene in case of doubt. And as far as, say, personal conflicts are concerned, um, for example, away from structural violence or clearly interpersonal things, we simply hope for the self-responsibility of the persons and the environments and contexts because we feel rather uncomfortable with entering into these conflicts. And then we would have to listen to different perspectives and parties and from an opinion and somehow reach a verdict in the end. And we don't even want to take those positions. And we think it's helpful in any way, but we just hope that people who are already involved will then go into practice in that case. I know from my own experience that it's sometimes quite difficult to be a good ally for feminist and queer struggles. How do you imagine that, for example, cis men are good allies? What should that look like? How can that look? It is a good question. I wish I could issue such how to be an ally now and that would have cleared that up. But countless people have been wrecking their brains over this question for decades and have all kinds of answers. Yes, 
I think I can only respond very, very personally in a way and I think that's a good step to start to be interested in the patriarchal violence in our everyday life or in all of our everyday life and to learn to develop an eye for it. So that is often a cis male perspective in which violence is not visible simply because it doesn't really affects you. And that is a learning process to develop an eye for it. And it requires a lot of exchange with affected persons and to fall back on material that is available and so on. And then to actively intervene. I think moments where I felt very allied with cis male people were moments when people came up to me and said, hey, I was just watching the situation. Do you need anything right now? Is everything cool? And even it wasn't stressful for me at all and everything was cool. Those were moments that I burned in. And I can imagine that many other people would feel the same way. And I would add that I don't think that cis men are not affected by patriarchal violence or patriarchal conditioning. And I think that there are other aspects and how to look at, okay, what is a male socializing doing to me? Where I'm somehow damaged? What have I forgotten or never been allowed to learn? And exactly what I'm missing? I think that the things that are important to me Beside, of course, somehow seeing that you don't reproduce patriarchal violence, I think that goes without saying a little bit. I would like to come back to the Congress. Can you already say something about the program? We are a little bit late with the publication, but we are about to publish at least the first overview on the website where you can see what will be available. The exact times and everything around them, the details and so on, will be added in a little bit. That's why I don't want to anticipate too much. I can perhaps also say that if the program in which we have tried to include different languages is successful, then many of the texts or contents on our website will be in English, French, German and Spanish. These are also the languages that we have concentrated on. Sometimes it worked better, sometimes not so well. The majority of the program will be in Germany, but There will be also program points or workshops in other languages mentioned. And there will be also a new open space. It is still quite important simply that there will be a space, a concrete room, but also basically space at the Congress. And there are also time for people to set up the program. So, for example, people come from a workshop and realize that discussion round was far too short and um, that they want to discuss it further, that they can use the space. Or somehow other topics have come up and they can register them in this open space and open a new discussion. So very spontaneous and then finding people who feel like discussing things. So exactly that should be spontaneously and definitely room for it. Perhaps it is also important to say that we have no claim to completeness to somehow cover all topics from all these areas. I think that is very difficult to do in a congress, also because we have relatively little preparation time and it doesn't always work out that what the people you invite have time and capacity and so on. But we hope that the selection will trigger various discussions and perhaps also contradictions, which then can be discussed, um, which we can then tackle. And we will then definitely learn and benefit from our different perspectives on it. We also try not to have too many frontal lectures, but we have tried to loose things up a little bit, try to organize more participatory events, ask people for workshops and so on. That will become more apparent in the program. And we haven't organized any party or concerts, but in the evening there will be space for exchange and for getting to know each other and also a little cultural evening in the program. As for the structure, maybe it's important for people to know that there will be soon two workshops on Friday and Saturday and one on Sunday. That means we also want to leave long breaks between the different workshops where people can go, 
previously give them space for exchange or to process what they have learned or to get to know each other and so on. Can you briefly say where people can find information about the Congress and how people can contact you for questions, sleeping places and so on? Yes, with pleasure. So you can get all the latest information on our website, which is femcongress23.noblogs.org, that there were all the things are published, the latest things, news and so on. I think it will be completed in the next week. At the moment, it looks a little bit poor. There we will find also our email address where you can always ask questions if things are quite not clear and we hope that the sleeping place exchange will start now and there will be extra email for it. This will also be published on the blog. So if you want to ask people about sleeping places, maybe wait a little while until it's published on the blog. Then otherwise we'll have to refer to people to the other email address and write back and forth and so on. And on the blog, details about accessibility barriers will be published soon and people will have an overview there as well. All information about the Congress can be found at femcongress23.noblogs.org. Almost at the same time at the Congress, namely from the 28th of September to the 3rd of October, the Wagenplatztage in Leipzig will place on different trailer moons. He will also provide it there with demo action, music, concerts and other program points. Yeah. 
Hello, Bad News and A-Radio Network listeners. This is The Final Straw Radio with our submission. We just conducted an interview with a radical journalist in Atlanta, Georgia, about continued and increasing legal repression by the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia, including against lawyers and legal support fundraising infrastructures such as the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. The RICO, or racketeering charges that are being applied to 61 activists, were developed to stop criminal conspiracies such as the Mafia. However, these recent applications are against an anarchist-inflected movement, against police militarization and ecological destruction, and against government corruption. So if you want to hear the larger interview, including updates about the November 13th, 2023 call for a mass action to block Cop City and stop the construction or destruction of that space, you can find our September 17th, 2023 episode for more of this conversation. And you can find more from Matt Scott at AtlantaPressCollective.org. My name is Matt Scott. Pronouns are he or they. And I am a journalist uh, with uh, the Atlanta Community Press Collective in Atlanta, Georgia. This uh, sweeping 61-person RICO indictment uh, came down on September 5th. The individuals indicted date back to events and arrests that happened all the way in May of 2021. And the indictment itself links actions all the way back to May of 2020. Um, it, It starts the alleged charges with the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. The story that it attempts to tell, it begins with uh, this sort of Wikipedia-esque, almost AI-generated narrative about what anarchism is, what mutual aid is, what collectivism is, and says that all of these things sort of work together uh, to underpin the movement to stop Cop City. At the center of it, the indictment uh, sort of paints the Atlanta uh, Solidarity Fund or three organizers with the Atlanta Solidarity Fund as as the core group leading uh, the movement to stop Cop City. And, you know, there are, I, I believe, something like 141 acts or uh, I forget the number. There are a new a number of acts uh, alleged to be, you know, in quote unquote furtherance of the conspiracy that range from reimbursements uh, for supplies like glue or food in amounts as little as eleven dollars and ninety one cents uh, to one individual signing their name ACAB after they had been arrested uh, in relation to the forest earlier. Um, so prosecutors allege that uh, any of these acts uh, have served to connect all of these members in a vast conspiracy to commit felonious uh, acts to stop the construction of the cop city facility. So most of the, the people who have been uh, indicted under this are, are individuals, there are 42 individuals who have been previously arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. Um, and then as well as a number of people who were arrested uh, at, with criminal trespass charges in the force in May of 2022. And people who were arrested at a, uh, a protest in Cobb County of Brassfield and Gorey uh, that same month, as well as several people who have never been arrested in relation to the movement. The, the racketeering act was, was designed so that basically the mafia, uh, you could, you could connect all of these disparate felonious actions to leaders at the top. Uh, and so while, you know, mafiosa bosses were, were never committing uh, these alleged acts, their alleged subordinates were, and they were used to tie the acts of the subordinates to the acts of the superiors in order to take down the leadership structure of, of the mob. 
Uh, more recently, we've seen it used uh, here in Atlanta against a group of teachers uh, who were convicted of tampering with standardized testing. Uh, and then last year, uh, the Young Slug Life uh, group was, was uh, RICO charges were brought against them. And then uh, even more recently, uh, the Trump election conspiracy was indicted under RICO charges uh, for 18 people, including Trump himself. And then that same grand jury that was used to indict uh, Trump was actually uh, what we're, we're told is the same grand jury who was used to indict these 61 people under these RICO charges. So it's an attempt to connect, you know, every sort of act that they can possibly think of as a part of this vast criminal conspiracy and, and tie it all together so that, you know, an action taken, you know, none of these people might have taken any of these actions, but they're still going to be charged under this act with the actions, you know, like property destruction that, that have been taken over the course of this protest movement. The uh, grand jury was impaneled by uh, Fulton County DA uh, Fonnie Willis. And I wasn't sure that, that you know, one grand jury could be used by the same or a different prosecuting body than the one who impaneled it. Apparently it, it can. And so there's been this theory that um, the attempt to stop Cop City is sort of a quid pro quo um, from between city and, and county level actors uh, to state level Republican actors. Uh, so in exchange for uh, Governor Brian Kemp sort of putting the uh, or squashing the Buckhead secession movement that happens here in Atlanta kind of on a yearly basis, he asked for support from city leaders uh, in, in putting uh, or, or in continuing the, the Cop City project. So it's in line with that theory. Of course, we have no actual evidence that that took place, but that is sort of the mutually agreed upon theory here is that there's a coordination uh, and quid pro quo between, between those two uh, Democratic and Republican forces. So you had mentioned the, like, the breakdown of, of some concepts within anarchism as a part of the indictment and trying to tie this whole thing together under anarchism. I guess like there was a Rolling Stone article that was linked from one of the articles on the ACPC about this, uh, where one of the like someone from the movement was just asked, like, what do you think of this? And they were like, well, that's a pretty good explanation. Chat GPT did a pretty good job, I guess. But do you think that there are wider implications to not only tying the activity of in court filings of what are being alleged to be criminal activity back to 2020, when I'm sure there's a lot of people that were involved in street movement things, and also to the theory of anarchism. Like, for me, it, it seems like the farther back they cast the net, and the more ability that they have under something like Rico to claim that there's some nefarious mass conspiracy, including unknown indictees, that it opens the space for them to, I mean, I think, you know, pull in people that they maybe assume were involved in protests around Rayshar Brooks's murder or the autonomous zone that was uh, created in the aftermath of his police, his murder by police. So it's not kind of a question. It's just sort of like a, what about this? <laughs> They're alleging that May 25th, 2020 was the date that all of this started. So they could connect anything that happened from that point 
uh, until now as, as, as part of this RICO conspiracy. So if you were arrested, you know, at, say, Centennial Olympic Park, which is where uh, we held most of our protests in, in 2020, you could be connected to this. If you have written uh, a cab on, you know, if you've been arrested for, for writing a cab as graffiti somewhere, you could be connected to this. So there's, there's a, a very large net that is being cast. And the question is how fine of a net they're going to end up putting on this. You know, they, they still have uh, wrapped up in this RICO indictment the um, Southern Poverty Law Center attorney who is acting as a legal observer uh, on March 5th, uh, when police arrested uh, and charged 23 people with domestic terrorism at a music festival in, in the Weelani Forest. Uh, so it, it really does speak to what seems like a fact that they are trying to instill fear and chill any sort of dissent against the state. Uh, and it's going to be a matter of how deeply they want to entrench themselves in that position and how much tacit support they're going to continue to get from, from Democratic administrations in doing this. And, and thus far, we have heard no condemnation, uh, as far as I am aware, from Democratic actors in Atlanta, or on a city level, I should say, uh, against the RICO indictments. We have seen some state-level uh, Democratic uh, elected officials you know, call out these charges, but but as far as a city level, uh, you know, political force goes, there hasn't been any condemnation. It's very interesting in the home of the civil rights movement that that this is going unchallenged by the very people who claim to hold that legacy of civil rights.
zu schwarz. Links den roten Blind und rechts den schwarzen Stern. Unser Tanz ist so wild. Unser Tanz ist voller Macht. Links den roten Blind, rechts den schwarzen Stern. Unsere Farben sind so geil. Unsere Schreie sind so laut. Jetzt mal bitte ah. Anarchie. 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 Ob geschichtlich oder brandaktuell. Mit Berichten und Interviews, mit Beiträgen und Collagen. Beleuchtet das anarchistische Radio Berlin das Phänomen des Anarchismus. Viva Anarchie! Manchiak was a small anarchaqueer squad in Ljubljana, Slovenia. Sadly, it is history now. During the last days of August, we spoke with two of the squatters about Manchiak and the future plans of squatting in Ljubljana. For people that don't know about squat, what is Manchiak squat and what was the idea behind squatting it? So Matiak is an anarchy self-organized space run by the local anarchaqueer community uh, in Ljubljana. Yeah, it was opened uh, based on the idea that we need to organize in a space based on these principles. So the basic objective is the possibility of creating a space that is not capitalist oriented and a space where patriarchal structures get lined up against the firing squad. A space where we can imagine a utopian world in theory and try to practice the tools we need to dismantle the current system. Yeah, we opened the space because we wanted also to uh, create space to tr as like a training ground for squatting itself because there was a lot of uh, younger people in our community who, who didn't have any experiences with squatting or in general with establishing new autonomous spaces. All the autonomous spaces that existed in Ljubljana before were there since like a long time. And uh, our place was never super open to public. We were hosting events and hang, hang out, but only with people from like certain community. We published some information about our squad, our squad on squad.net, but we never had any social media or we were never like public, publicly out there. It was a social space, not like a living squad. I don't know, part of, part of why we weren't so uh, publicly available to everyone was also to provide some anonymity and safety for the people who were there. So for people that have not been to Ljubljana and to your squad, can you describe your social space a bit and also tell a bit more about what possibilities the squad offered in Ljubljana? 
Well, Machiak was a space that offered uh, a space to organize, to exchange knowledge, to exchange frustrations. It was a place for questions, for discussions, for workshops, for creativity. It was a space for meetings of different collectives um, or groups or groups that are trying to establish. Yeah, and it was always there also as a statement against the capitalist logic of gentrification and touristification of our city and the exploitation of uh, the inhabitants. Yeah, and it was uh, it was there to um, to offer a space for all the local groups that are or are not yet organized, but wanted to want to explore the space. But also for uh, the international comrades or connections who were dropping by. Yeah, it was also a place where a lot of artsy projects uh, happened. A lot of projects happened from them. A lot of um, protests was were organized from there. But it was never a living spot. It lacked some basic infrastructure that would enable us to live there. For example, shower or electricity. But it was also always uh, super happy to welcome international comrades who visited Ljubljana and made that, made the possibility for us also to network with people coming <laughs> or passing. So if I remember right, the eviction notice was for the 1st of August. Now it's nearly September. How does the current situation look like? What has happened uh, since 1st of August? Yeah, because we we had the experience of uh, being evicted from the autonomous factory rogue and uh, we didn't want to repeat the same experience of searching for our dear belongings under the ruins of a place. That's why we already took most of the things that matter to us out of the place and moved it to a safer location. At this point, the construction site is already established, but no demolition started yet. So we're still using the space, but not it cannot be used as uh, it was used before because, of course, the infrastructure is missing. It still stands at this point, but yeah. And did the flooding in Slovenia impact your squad or your space in any way? Well, actually, the flooding, I mean, gave us a perspective on how privileged life is in Ljubljana, because Ljubljana, at least the center of Ljubljana, where Maciakis, uh, did not get affected by floods at all. We, of course, got in touch with people who suffered from the floods, but our space was safe during this time. And how are you preparing for, for the eviction? Do you plan to stay in the squad and let yourself be, like, dragged out, be evicted, or... You want to just hand it over somehow? What's your plan for keeping or leaving the space? Yeah, we decided that we will uh, leave the space. We already did in the way. I mean, the stuff is gone. Yeah, so we decided we will not defend it in, uh, let's say, typical uh, squad defending uh, way of uh, staying inside when the machinery comes to demolish it. Because we talked through and we decided this would take too much of our capacities. Yeah, we kind of need fresh energy for for upcoming projects. Uh, Machak was anyways from the beginning as understood as uh, only a temporary occupation. We from the beginning on understood it as a training ground for future occupations because the place was really fucked up in the beginning. I mean, it was much nicer once we started using it, but still it's not as a space providing so many opportunities that we would stay there forever. <laughs> Yeah, we want to have a house with a garden at some point. So uh, we want to try to keep our capacities to try to open new spaces that provide more. Yeah, and we stand more behind the idea of like squatting and having the space, not this particular one. 
So we plan to, of course, squat further on or uh, support other groups in doing so, uh, but not to defend this particular space with our bodies on the day of demolition. But we also didn't uh, go out completely quietly. We organized this eviction festival where we tried to invite as many people as we could from our community and from the neighborhood. So we were hanging out there all day, having some food, some nice vegan food, some nice um, beer, games, friends, music, and try to have like a public manifestation of what Machiaki is or what it used to be or what it will be in the future. Uh, that sounds really uh, lovely. I think from squatting Machiak, I think you have learned a lot. Did you already find uh, a house with a garden? What are the future plans for squatting in Ljubljana? It's really shitty. Like Ljubljana got so gentrified in the past years, not only too free, but like more that every space that it's empty, it either gets demolished really quickly and they build private parking lots because this brings more money than having a demolished house. And the houses that are left, they either have like missing rooftops or are completely uh, wet. So that they're wet, you know, you can like shit is falling apart on the inside. So you cannot, uh, you have no basics to build on. Or they're super protected either with alarm systems or with cameras or with private security companies. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, this is the reality, but we're trying to stay optimistic. As you said, we learned really a lot through this one year and a half or a bit less of having Machiak. So... We're not afraid of devastated places. <laughs> and it's not only about devastated places. There are, there, are, there are like other places that are gentrifying the city, not just in Ljubljana, but generally like hotels and all the other uh, infrastructure that's built for the tourists, for the rich, that could also be taken over as a statement, I guess, maybe not for the longer period of time because of uh, repression and stuff, but not only the empty houses that we look at. Yeah, so let's say that we have some ideas for the future. <laughs> And how can people support you for your future ideas? Send us love! <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it's very important to, to organize in your localities and to talk about the importance of autonomous spaces and uh, to talk about exploitation of like natural resources that are used for buildings and uh, exploitation of workers. Because all of these construction companies, uh, they utilize the workers and the natural resources from all over the world uh, for like the, the capital. But it's yeah, it's very fleeting the capital that they have. In general, we want to like abolish the systems of oppression and this profiteering. So we want to have as much resistance as possible in all over the planet. So I guess I don't know. Support would be. Opening new squats everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so that when one place gets demolished, there's still 10 more standing or 100 more standing <laughs> and more popping up. All right, then I wish you all the best for the new squat or new squats in uh, Ljubljana. Thank you. At this point, we would just like to add something in mm -hmm. the uh, today morning in the morning. Two comrade squads in Athens got evicted, so Zizania and Anokato got evicted by the Greek state. And we want to highlight this information and send solidarity to the comrades struggling in Athens and all around uh, fighting gentrification and other systems of oppression.
before we let you be, we want to give you some small hints. November 10 to 13th, call to Block Cop City for a mass action. It is useless to wait, with our future on the line and the whole world watching, we'll take a stand to bend the course of history. If the city government does not hold construction in order to listen to the people, then we will simply have to do it ourselves, a people's stop work order. Check blockcopcity.org. Come and join the Tinta Negra Tattoo Convention from the 13th to the 15th of October in Berlin. Check tintanegraconvention.noblox.org for more infos. We look forward to see you in October for three full days with tattoos, discussions, workshop and music for solidarity and anarchy. free to check our homepage, contact any of the collaborating radio shows if you feel like, actually especially if you feel like you and your anarchist radio collective feel ready to join a broader network. You'll find a few information you need to get in touch right at aradio-a-radio-network.org. This is also where you'll find a link to join us at Mastodon. Bye bye!